On today's Stuncast, we review Return of the Archons. After Sulu is brainwashed by a cult on a strange planet, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down to investigate, only to find the locals are obsessed with Landru. Are you of the body? Who is Landru? When is the red out? Oh, it's right now? Festival! 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 Today on Set Podcast to Stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron and Captain Corey. Hey, Clint, are you of the body? I I am of the body. Joy to you, Corey. Joy to you. And Emily, joy to you. Joy be to you. Oh, wait, what's that? Is it six o'clock? Murder time! Oh, no, there's a shiv in my back and someone's kissing my neck. <laughs> Also, up until about right when Corey said, are you of the body? I thought we were doing the episode after this. I forgot that we haven't recorded this episode already. <laughs> Wait, so Emily, have you seen this one? And then when we asked if you were of the body, you were just like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen it. You know, I actually know what that thought we already recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down to body. What is it? I, I'm a joiner. Sounds fun. I don't want to be left out. Do we get to? Is this like body shots? Space, space body shots. And then you're like, ooh, we're breaking windows, huh? Ooh, all right. Oh, everyone's picking up a weapon. I guess we're chasing these group of people. Wow, this is. Thank you. I've been waiting for this. This is like spring break. Am I right? Oh yes. Yeah. So this week we are reviewing Return of the Archons. It was a pretty fun episode. So let's start off. Thumbs up or down or middle finger. Corey, what did you think of this episode? I actually I liked it because it's what I always want in an episode where they just go down on a planet and have an adventure and everyone does fun stuff and the whole cast is there. So. I thought it was cool. The plot kind of confused me a little bit, but I'm not too worried about that. It, it did tick all the boxes. All right. It it tickled every box of Corey's. I Emily. said it ticked all the boxes. Tickled the boxes is not an expression, Clint. It tickled Corey's boxes. Emily, well, what did you think of this episode? I Thumbs up or down? There are some things I really liked about it, but like Corey, there was a part at the end where I was just like, oh no, not this again. I'll give it like a 90 to 95%. Like it's not 100%, but it's pretty good. I liked it. Uh, Thumbs up for me. It's definitely like a classic Star Trek episode. You see a ton of references to this episode and like other media, other shows. Hmm. And I thought it was great. It was, it had a good mystery. It was fun. Like weird stuff happened. It, it had the corniness. So um, it tickled all my boxes too. I like how it's a Futurama it episode. Uh, yeah. There's oh. definitely that Futurama episode where they go to the Amazon planet. And it was such a great joke. Cause it was like a femputer, but it's actually a fembot masquerading as a femputer. <laughs> Let's uh let's jump into the uh, episode summary of this one. Who's given us the summary? Oh, I've got I've got all the deets. 
I've got it all planned You've out. You've got the hot goss. Yes, here's the hot goss. I like it. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so we open up with our boy Sulu and just some random red shirt. Um, and they're running through a recycled old-timey set. Do you guys recognize this set? It looks like the Miri one. It's from Miri, but remember, we don't talk about Miri. <laughs> it's our last episode. I was just like, oh. I mean, is it every Western town in every 1960s right. TV show? Ba- Bonanza <laughs> wasn't filming today, so we got to use their set. Um, so Sulu and the red shirt, they're on the DL, and they're in, like, Puritan-ish clothes, and they're being chased by these monks, or, like, these priest guys in robes. So the red shirt's like, oh my god, we gotta get the fuck out of here, like, we can't wait to be transported, and he, like, runs off, and then Sulu gets touched by one of these guys' sticks, right? Mm -hmm. And then he just gets all blissed out, He gets all his boxes tickled. Yeah. They uh, Then they transport Sulu up to the Enterprise, and he is just all blissed out, um, talking about the body, talking about Landrew, but he's just, like, flying high, loving everyone, kind of like the first time I returned from Burning Man. <laughs> Self-burn. Emily, yeah, I know, Emily can attest to this, but you're just, like, floating on air for a couple weeks after, after like, that first Burning Man trip. I don't know if people understand that, like, really, we're all one. Except Sulu <laughs> is, like, even creepier because he's, like, not making eye contact with people. Like, he definitely seems drugged and vacant. Mm-hmm. What bothered me about the that opening scene is, like, they're getting chased and Sulu communicates to the Enterprise, like, beam us up, beam us up, hurry. And then they're standing there and they're waiting for the beam up while these um, creepy robed figures are still walking towards them. And they have to wait there so long that um, the red shirt just runs away and Sulu's just, like, he gets transported up right after he gets hit. But just, like, how long it took for the transport to happen? Because it was probably, like, 20 or 25 seconds. Because I know in TNG, that shit wouldn't fly. You're like, I need to get beamed up right now. Bam, you're up Mm -hmm. there. And I don't know what kind of, like, complicated bureaucratic process if he has to send, like, a punch card, you know, to get the orders (laughs) for the transport. But it took a really long time for him to get transported up. Oh, he's just, like, I know it's for dramatic effect. There's annoying. O'Brien would never do this. Yeah, O'Brien knows how to fucking beam someone up on a on a moment's notice he's got that shit locked (laughs) so they're like oh my god sulu's all like joined a cult we gotta check this out so kirk spock bones and then some other red shirts transport down onto the planet they're all dressed in their kind of puritan best you know like puritan slash old westy gentleman sort of thing uh except for spock who's wearing a mantequilla a burka he's got some sort of like very feminine like head scarf situation happening with him for sure he's definitely he's definitely covering those ears why are they beaming down to the planet again clint to figure out what happened to sulu yeah okay but here's the point i want to make they transported into the middle of the town they didn't go like outside of the town but they still bothered with wearing costumes. Like, who were they fooling? Like, you guys just appeared out of nowhere in the middle of a pre-industrial society, but you're wearing, like, bolo ties and stuff? Like, no one's going to fall for this. Also, I don't think anyone saw them beam down, though. Where did they get the string bow ties? Those are hilarious. I think there's, like, a theater department. I think we've talked about this before, but I believe there's, like, a theater department up on the Enterprise and, like, they make shit. Like, that's what I thought all, like, 
Federation ships have is they have like a department that like make costumes. They'd for, have to. For if they have to like blend in. Yeah. But this is my big complaint that I had with Outlander is there's a part where she's in like 1960 and she's going back to like 1760 and she's like, I'm going to make a period costume. And she makes one that looks period, but she makes it out of raincoats. And I'm like, there's no way that any 1600 peasant is gonna isn't gonna clock that you have this polyester shiny water repellent fabric all over you like from down the block they're gonna be like wow i've never seen something like that there's just no way see but i think like starfleet and like the enterprise they have a specific like facility they know how to do the period appropriate thread counts yeah exactly they they're there with like a loom just like work it, just busting out these. That's, it's like a sweatshop. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> that's where all the seventeen-year-olds go. That's where they start. Is in the sweatshop, and they have to make costumes <laughs> for the the main crew as they go out on their adventures. That's how Kirk was able to be uh, in that planet where he saw the Shakespearean actor slash mass murder when he was like fifteen or something. He was working in the loom <laughs> mill. Yeah, he was a seamstress for a while. Yeah. But anyway, they beam into the town, and they're like, we gotta figure out what happened to Sulu. Everyone's walking around blissful like a zombie. They're kind of saying hello, but they're still, you know, they're not quite all there. Yeah. Hello. They're a couple, uh... Hello. They're a couple warp cores short of a... A full coil. A starship, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um... They say hello and that sort of stuff, and then they're like, oh, it's about to be the, the red hour, the you know the festival's about to start and they're like oh we're from the valley where's this what's this festival thing and basically people just start at, right at six o'clock everyone starts going crazy right we're familiar with this now they start purging where everyone just goes crazy the best part is this woman just like jumps on kirk and just like starts making out with him no resistance from kirk he doesn't even miss a beat he's just like making out with this chick People are, like, punching each other and, like, vandalizing, breaking windows or whatever. into it. So the away party is all freaked out. They kind of get out of the street. They go into this, I don't know, it's like a building. I don't know if it's a hotel or something like that. But they run into these old guys. The old guys are like, what the hell are you doing here? Why aren't you out purging? You know, have fun during the festival. They're like, you're not old enough to be exempt from it. I... Um, So they... What? Can I just say, I forgot that my favorite part of the purge was this one guy who, like, it be- it chimes six o'clock, and he just immediately, like, throws his head back and starts screaming, festival! Festival! Like, there's all this murder and stuff going on around him, and, like, that's all he's doing, is just screaming, festival. Well, yeah, you can do that one screaming guy, for sure, to have a good festival. Yeah. You gotta yell. Yep. <laughs> just... <laughs> Just so everyone knows. Yep. This is great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they run into those old guys. One of them is named um, Rager, which he'll become important, let me tell you. So Rager's like, oh, they just want a place to rest. And then once they got all that scored away, they'll they'll want to go purge. So he sets them up at the room, but then they're like, no, we don't want to go, you know, festival. Like, we're just going to hang out in here. <laughs> we and don't. The old guys are all all scandalized They're like what but what young. about landrew yeah and then kirk's like fuck landrew <laughs> i don't care about him <laughs> um 
So they kind of just like watch the purge happen, uh, and then it kind of stops at the six the next morning. Everyone just kind of um, goes back to normal, goes back to their their vegetated states, walking around. Um, Except for the dude's daughter who comes in, and then it stops being purge time, and she just starts screaming like she's immediately just like, "What have I done?" <laughs> Yeah, she's very traumatized. And one of the old guys, I forget, he narks on Kirk and Co. So the priests are like, oh, come with us. And Kirk's like, nah, I'm not going to come with you. And they're like, what? We don't know what to do with this. They're like, the I don't know, the priests are like, oh, we'll be back for you. Don't you worry. You'll meet Landry one of these days. And Spock is so like, wow, I can't believe that worked. Kirk's like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Some of that left brain thinking there. Spock. <laughs> so they go out, they try and like be all, you know, stealth about it and just walk through town like nothing happens. But then everyone outside is onto them. They all start like picking up weapons like rocks and I don't know, planks of wood and stuff. They chase the guys and then they kind of like escape to some like dungeon. Turns out that Rager is a resistance fighter or some resistance person. Um, and so he kind of tells the crew about there was some like conflict between Landru and the Archons or whatever. They check in with the Enterprise and uh, Scotty tells them that they're being attacked by some sort of heat beam. If something isn't done, Enterprise will fall to the planet in 12 hours. Yeah. Gotta get a good, you know, ticking clock in there. And then the away team is probed, right? They're like, oh, Spock's like, we're being probed somehow. And this old guy in like a golden sh shawl, he's like a ghost, he's all transparent, he shows up, it's like a projection, and he says he's Landrew. Landrew's all like, it's super peaceful here, you're all fucking this up, and I'm gonna brainwash y'all if you don't play along. So then they hear this like sonic sound, they get sonic roofied, and then they wake up in a different dungeon, Kirk has been robbed. And they're just like, oh man, what's what's going on here? McCoy is gone for a bit. Spock and Kirk talk about, you know, what's going on. Um, McCoy comes back. He's all brainwashed. He's drinking the Kool-Aid. They grab Kirk. Kirk is taken to the like, futuristic brainwashing room where he's like bondaged to the wall. But it turns out the guy working the brainwash controls, his name's Mar Marlon. Marp Marplon, I think. I just call him Marp. We're going to call him Marp from now on. So Marp is like, um, I'm a resistance fighter. I didn't brainwash Kirk. And like, here's your phasers. Here's some, here's some phasers or stuff. Uh, McCoy notices this. He calls the guards in. Spock punches a guy in the face. First time he's ever done it. They strip the priests. Marp takes Kirk and Spock to the Hall of Audiences. Landru projection show up, uh, up again in a in a wall. So they blow the the wall up with their phasers that just kind of melts. And surprise, surprise, Landru is a computer. And they try and blow up Landru. He like says nah and like disrupts their phasers or whatever. So Kirk does the classic like logical fallacy thing where he starts talking Landru in circles. Kirk says that you know Landru isn't good for the body. He's hurting the body because these people don't have creativity. So you know predictably Landru fritzes out and explodes and goes on fire and stuff and and then Kirk's like, okay, we did our job. Landry's dead. I liked it. He's like, well, Marp, you're on your own now. Uh, <laughs> yep. I, I hope you're up to it. Oh, and by the way, your robes look stupid. And then, you know, Kirk out. 
the next scene, Kirk calls up to the Enterprise. He talks to Scotty. He's like, how's Sulu? And he's like, oh, he's fine. And then, like, Sulu's on the bridge, and he's like, ha-ha! We're back, fellas! And he takes his station. That was my favorite part, where (laughs) Sulu's like, ain't no fucking thing! (laughs) I've left a cult before. I like, too, Mark's just, like, standing there. He's like, fuck, what am I gonna do now? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just fucked their civilization. Kirk's like, see ya. Well, but they did leave a bunch of sociologists and other nerds to help them rebuild their situation, <laughs> their uh, civilization. Um, and then I love my favorite part is like Kirk calls down to the planet and he's like, oh, how's it going down there? And the guy's like, oh, couldn't be better. Domestic violence is on the rise. We have a lot of violence going on down here. It's great. Let me tell you. Yeah, it's really, it's weird. And then Spock's like, oh man, like Cubans are so dumb. And then basically Kirk's like, yep, and that's the way we like it. And yeah. And that's how it ends. ends. Like the thing that I struggled with the most in terms of the plot is like a lot of things were just mentioned, but not really brought up again. Like, so for example, the whole red hour thing. Which lasts for like 12 hours too, right? Yeah, the last, like, um, into the night and then the next day. But, like, that, like, we can assume that the reason that that exists is as a release valve for the society because Landrew has such a tight grip over everybody. Mm. Like, he can speak to them telepathically. Um, He has these enforcers that are just always, like, if anyone speaks ill, of of Landrew or the religion that he's created, like they'll find you. That's like if, even in the resistance, people are speaking with whispers, and we still have like a a fearful respect for Landrew. So like everyone's so tamped down and just so wound up. So I'm I'm assuming that the reason that they have this Red Hour festival once a year, or I don't know how often how often it is, that that's like a release valve for people to just like oh thank God I can do whatever I want. Um, that's the assumption, but it's never stated. And it's never followed up on, like, why this Red Hour exists. Maybe it is, but I just didn't catch it. What do you guys think? No, that's such a good point, Corey, that they never explain why it happens. It kind of reminds me, too, of The Matrix. (laughs) They explain in it where the reason Neo is the one is because their system, there's, like, kind of errors that can pile up and build up. And then it results in, like, they found out if they make a person the one then it helps like clear out all those errors. So I do like Corey's explanation where it just like, it kind of builds up or something and they need to release it so that they can kind of keep a tighter control. I don't know. What do you think, Emily? I was okay because it's so spooky and creepy. I was okay with some things being left unexplained. Like can Landrew really hear them or do they just believe this? And that's why they're all quiet and like, treat his name like Voldemort like I thought some of that was okay to be unexplained the plot points that I didn't really like I I feel like they still are not really good at coming up with original plots they have good premises but like it's again Kirk versus the computer like we've seen that before and they have like this whole bit where we've perfected this world by eliminating what makes you human and what makes you human is you know messy and that's great 
Another thing I didn't really understand was, was there a relationship between the ship they were looking for? Because the episode starts where they um, are looking for a ship that disappeared 100 years ago and wrote to this planet. And was that ship like the seed ship for Landrew? Like was Landrew on that ship and then found a bunch of primitive humans or humans living in like 19th century technology? And then he's like, oh, cool. I have all this space technology. I'm just going to pretend I'm their god and rule them however I want. Or did that have nothing to do with that ship? absolutely forgot that they were even looking for a ship i yeah did, I, did, did the ship never come up again i don't think it did and i think you're i think landrew has been in power for at least three thousand years maybe like he's been in he's been in charge longer than that hundred years i believe okay so the humans on this planet then they're not humans like they're just aliens that look like humans because i thought yeah. that it was a starfleet colony that um had become corrupted I could and it wasn't be, that old. I could be wrong, but I think what it was is it's a planet of aliens that happen to look human. And just because it's Star Trek in the 60s, you find a lot of like alien planets that are just people, just hu- regular humans who, who cropped up on it. Um, and these things aren't huge deals. I was just like... I, it was just kind of annoying in the back of my mind. I couldn't like quite place what the society was exactly. And I think it's because they seeded it with that, oh, there was a ship that crashed here 100 years ago. And so in my mind, I thought that that ship was going to come up again or, you know, Landrew was that ship's computer. Well, and it looks... They had kind of gone rogue. I'm with you, Corey, because it, there's no explanation of why it's like old timey. Like we talked about Spock's burka and Kirk's string bow tie. But, like, there's really no explanation of why they are dressed as a Bonanza set. Mm-hmm. No, I, I hear you guys. I think, too, what it was is they used to be an advanced civilization. And then there was some sort of war. I think there was, like, an orig- original Landrew who, like, won the war and then created this computer to, like, help people or something like that. And the computer took over everyone's brains and since everyone was all blissed out, there was no reason to, like, advance technology. Mm. So they kind of regressed into a Old West society. Because Rager, um, he pulled out that, like, panel. And it was that, it, like, lit up the whole room. And Spock was really impressed. He's like, oh, I haven't, you know, like, this is a, a pretty advanced technology for a civilization this primitive. So I think it shows that they were an advanced society. Yeah, and then they regressed. They just regressed because they went through a war and then Landrew took over. I mean, and that explains why the Landrew computer can talk to everybody telepathically. Because it can, because um, when Rager was taking the away crew to the safe house, immediately everybody in the street stops. Because it's not red hour anymore, but everyone just stops and at the same time picks up a weapon and just starts um, slowly shambling towards the crew. So, like, obviously there was a telepathic ability there. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, Rager, because they found that ensign that was with Sulu and he ran off. So I think he got caught and then they call it absorbed into the body, which is being brainwashed. It's... And so they find him again. And then Rager's like, you can't bring him or you can't allow him to become conscious again because Landrew will find us. It's sort of um, that. I'm glad you mentioned that. That is kind of a proto-Borg, like where there's a part where they Mm -hmm. say you will be obliterated. And I was like, oh, that's like the assimilation. Like you will become one with the Borg. And they're like, oh, you are of the body. I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah, I, I watched the episode with my partner yesterday, and she was like, these guys remind me of the Borg. And then that got me to thinking, it would be, that'd be kind of a cool way if they hadn't gone with, like, the insect mentality of the Borg, where it was more just, like, the universe's greatest cult, mm-hmm. where you want to be in this, everyone is so fucking happy in there. And maybe they get converts just based on that. Like, people are like, okay, well, I'm going to go join the Borg, because they seem like they're just in ecstasy 24-7. And then, like, yeah, they're just like, please join us, this is the greatest place in the universe to be instead of the we're going to destroy you if you don't join us you know i had a question for that i never thought of until you mentioned this like sulu is all blissed out do you think when the red hour happens while he's up on the enterprise he's just like time to fucking murder (laughs) yeah but he can't he's like strapped down so he's just doing like pelvic thrusts in the med bay like that's all he can accomplish yeah (laughs) i was wondering the same thing too and they never address that because i think later on he's like oh put a guard on sulu and scotty's like what and then kirk's like yeah do it but they never mentioned that he was like freaking the fuck out maybe they need to know like what time it is to know when to freak out one more thing that was kind of um, confusing to me was that these, I think they're called the Archons, the guys with the creepy hoods and the staffs that no, if they touch you with the... Archons are just like outsiders. Oh, I, I okay. was yeah. confused okay. the whole time who or what the Archons were as well. So these these police officers, I guess, that fulfill Andrew's will, they have these staffs, which are, you, you touch them, that's what happened to Sulu at the start of the episode, and then you become of the body, you just become instantly converted. And I didn't really understand because, like, Kirk gets his hand on one, his hands on one after a little while into the episode, and they look at him like, oh, it's just a hollow tube. Like, there's no mechanism to it. So I don't know if there's, like, magic there. But, like, I don't know why they went through the whole rigmarole of of uh, one at a time taking people out of the dungeon after they've captured Kirk and his crew and putting them on this BDSM, like, wall and just, like, doing, like, this whole james bond sort of gigantic contraption to convert them to the body when the tubes do that already no you're right it is very like inconsistent and contrived for the sake of drama i like why didn't they just all touch them i think it's Um, a good phrase is like it's overwritten like they've put too many elements in there when they don't need that and they should have like stripped away a lot of these details. Speaking of medbay, Bones gets brainwashed, and it is the most hilarious thing because Bones is such a like horny, cranky old goat. And then he comes <laughs> back and he's just this placid cult member. He's like, Hello, friend. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> No, I definitely thought it was the best part of the episode is when they're in the dungeon. They're all getting taken out one at a time to become converted. Bones is the first one to be converted. And just the way that DeForest Kelly just played that was just beautiful. He did such a great job just being like this blissful, oblivious, almost like child just smiling the entire time. And anytime Kirk or Spock or anybody broke any of the the rules of being of the body, he got like super suspicious. Yeah. Um, oh, man, it, it was it was so cool. What are you really whispering well. about over there? Whispering is not of Landrew. I did, you know, uh, I did have one other thing that this episode made me think of, and I, I'm not really sure why, but I'm interested to hear what you two think. So I know we've compared a lot of episodes um, to The Twilight Zone, and this episode reminded me of um, another show that would have been on at the time and that I think I could see Star Trek drawing inspiration from, and that is Doctor Who. 
Doctor Who is kind of dark, but it's also kind of like silly. And the sort of like machines taking over, but also magic and brainwashing feels very Doctor Who-ish. And like when they have the you will be obliterated, there's also like the Daleks that always go exterminate. Um, And I kind of wonder, I had not really seen an episode that had made me think of Doctor Who, but this one did for some reason. Um, And I'm interested if you guys have seen Doctor Who, if you... If you see the similarities there. I, unfortunately, have never, ever, ever seen an episode of Doctor Who. So I'm going to be useless for this. Go ahead, Corey. Don't do I it, have Corey. seen a lot of Doctor Who. I I have watched it since the 2005 reboot. I haven't watched any, like, the six before that because it's lame. Um, <laughs> but I really think that's a good that's a good comparison. I, I do. It does have, like, that kind of Doctor Who vibe. I um, I will admit kind- that I also have not seen any of the original run of Doctor Who, and I have seen I made it through Matt Smith, but man, mm, that mm-hmm. show is you've really got to put up with a lot of cheese. I watched it when I was doing my thesis, and I tried to rewatch it afterwards, and I was like, this show is so fucking stupid. <laughs> I think the point of Doctor Who is it's a little cheesy. Like yeah. that was one of the like people would point to that as like a strong point of like the pre 2005 reboot. So I think they kind of like cheesed up a little bit to kind of like keep that because the old doctor who was like really cheesy and kind of low budget still. So it had that really bad, like bad acting and like weird uh, aliens and stuff. And then, so I want to talk about too, I don't know, is this the first instance or this has to be pretty early instance of like using like a logical fallacy or like talking a computer into like malfunctioning. Hmm. Like, it's well, a- if it's not the first, it's definitely the lamest. <laughs> I mean, the argument he was making was like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe there was some like smart shit in there and I just wasn't watching it super carefully, but like, he's like, you are bad for society. Therefore you are not for the, of the body. And the computer's like, I am uh, not bad for society. You are bad for society. Uh, I am bad for society, you know, and it like it wasn't that like profound of a of a, of a logic trap he was putting the computer in. He was just like saying you're bad, and then the computer like ultimately relented to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I, so I'm not saying it's a good argument, but the argument he made is you're not allowing these people to be creative. For people to be themselves, they need to be allowed to be creative, and they need to be given creativity you're not doing that so you're bad for them without creativity life is meaningless you might as well be dead so you're basically killing these people i mean Um, i'm with Corey. it's the lamest yeah no i don't think it's yeah it's very great but i did have a question Um, is this the first mention of the prime directive it is the first mention of the prime directive and i just want to quote I want to quote the IMDb trivia page. I really like this. Um, it says, contains the first mention of the prime directive of non-interference, which the pro- the plot brings up only so that Kirk can violate it. <laughs> which is also the only reason it's ever brought up in Star Trek ever. Literally ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird, murky principle. It's I don't think it's... I don't know if it's really helped the series by being like, oh, we have the prime directive. We can't interfere with people's stuff. I think Kirk kind of hand waves it away because he's like, this isn't a developing 
culture. This is a culture that's like developing, evolved, unveloping. Yeah. So it used to be evolved, and now it's not anymore. So now that they're unevolved, we can we can mess with them because they used to be evolved. So I mean, this is why when I was pitching the episode that I wanted to see in a reboot it's where everybody has to deal with the consequences of never following the chain of command and never following the prime directive (laughs) like how is it when they go back in time and they can just fuck around with shit that that's not violating the prime directive and yet they do it all the time some there must be some admiral admiral who has just like a hard-on for kirk you know, it's just like it's like Kirk's his favorite boy or something like that. So like he gets ripped, like someone's like, "Oh, Kirk just went and blew up a planet," and the admirals just says, uh, "He probably had a good reason for it. Don't worry about it." I mean, cause... the real explanation is that that admiral is like Kirk's dad, and so nobody wants to like throw the hammer on Kirk because then the admiral will throw the hammer at you for hurting his son. <laughs> Kirk does seem like the kind of like rich kid, right? Who has like a powerful dad and he just like fucks up and his dad just gets him out of trouble. Yeah. And he also is totally unaware that that's why he gets to do everything. He just thinks this is the way it is for everyone else too. Yeah. He's like, I've earned my position as a captain. I worked hard. No one gave this to me. Spock is standing behind him, rolling his eyes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Spock has been assigned to like, just minimize all the damage yeah. that Kirk does. <laughs> Spock, there's Speaking a, of so rich when kid. Spock and Kirk are pretending to be brainwashed, Spock has like a his little eyebrow quirk. I'm like, Spock is loving that he's tricking everybody. Like he just <sighs> seems like he's so delighted. Like he 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 I'm in on a secret. He's like, I get to finally use my minor in theater. <laughs> <laughs> I may not um, understand of... emotions, but I sure can fake the heck out of them yeah (laughs) speaking of the rich kid uh who just gets everything handed to them would you guys like to point out if you can the producer's son in this episode i guess it was a no-name character who had a ton of lines and who was like just chilling with spock and kirk the whole time we never know his name i've never seen him before He's whose son? Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Oh, was he like one of the red shirts? Like he was one of the guards, yeah. right? Yeah. He's not given a name in the entire episode. And like he's just always like um making these like brash statements like we got to get them or we got to we got to attack and Kirk's always like telling him to chill out and like yeah, put your phaser away. But this 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 kid probably has like I don't know, 2 or 3 minutes of screen time and <laughs> For no reason at all, I, and I, did, I, I just didn't understand it. And I, my my assumption was that it was like the producer's son or the director's son that got some favors pulled for him to get his acting career started. I, oh. <laughs> uh, I love there's I've noticed this a ton in um, TNG where they'll just have like uh, Picard will be like. Uh, all right, bear straight ahead, ensign, whatever, and it's like some extra in the whatever says like. I I Cap'n or whatever. They just say some throwaway line and then you literally never see that person again. But I'm like, oh, because they got a speaking role, they can be a member of SAG and get health insurance. And I love the idea that they're just like, should we give this line to Worf? And they're like, nah, it's just one word. Give it to this guy so he gets the insurance. Like, (laughs) 
That's hilarious, yeah. <laughs> but you're right, Corey. This was way more than that. That that was like that was enough of a character that it could have been one of our regulars. Um, I do have a theory for why this episode was so messy, and it might be because it said on IMDb that everybody was trying to quit smoking at the same time, like they had some sort of a like a group project where they're like, okay, this is the 1960s, we got to stop smoking all the time. So everyone stopped, and <laughs> apparently everyone was kind of grumpy on set because of that. I saw that, That's and then there hilarious. was like a prank where Kirk bought a ton of gum. And he handed it out to, like, everyone, like, all the extras and stuff like that. And then when the director... Because the director was getting upset because people were chewing gum uh, during their scenes. Um, So you could see people chewing gum during the shoot. Kirk handed out... Or uh, William Shatner handed out this this gum. And then when he said action, everyone just blew a bubble. (laughs) And they said that the uh, director almost passed out. Out of enrage? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I that I is... can I can totally I can totally sympathize with the, the director <laughs> working with you knuckleheads. I was gonna say that's such a wholesome prank. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, also, looking at some trivia, I like this. Um, the guy who you were, we were talking about, the guy who is yelling "festival, festival." Mm-hmm. He's actually a stunt performer named Bobby Clark, and this is his only speaking role in the entire series. <laughs> was this the yelling "festival, festival"? That's awesome. And, I love how they're yeah. like, "Well, who can scream this at the top of their lungs?" And the stuntman's like, "I don't care if I wreck my vocal cords. <laughs> I got you." You know, now what we've talked about this episode in depth a little bit more i don't think i liked it <laughs> Uh-oh. it was it was it just didn't uh, so many things just didn't make sense and like yeah like you said emily like it was just really 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 overwritten like there's so much and it's because um like it has an hour slot to fill and the plot's not super duper um you know, rich in material. I, I don't know why they didn't do, because obviously they loved the idea of the red hour a lot because mm-hmm. the whole setup was, are you going to the festival? The festival's starting soon. And then the festival's going on and they don't go to the festival. They, they, they just hang out in the hotel room and just like watch it from above. Um, and then it, there's no mention of it again. And I was like, like, why didn't they just play with that space a lot more? Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. no, I think that's a good point where it's a very interesting idea that really is just kind of thrown in there. And, it's only in there because it's a cool idea, but like it's not built on or like really explained that much. It's just like kind of a fun idea that is then abandoned. Like the the idea was was so cool that I thought in a in a modern setting like the way that Enterprise has an entire season built around one storyline, like I could see not maybe a season, but like certainly a couple of episodes just based on this culture and this 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 planet and this robot that this computer that controls everybody um tyrannically and and forces them to to just behave and and yeah Yeah, it's like i think that that's a really cool like what if you remove the the guy that like takes them to the resistance and they have to like blend in and like fly under the radar for like a day or so and then then you find the resistance guy and he's like i don't know what landru is i don't know what any of this is like we've been trying to find out for like five years and some of us are awake and we're aware and some of us aren't like 
it becomes like yeah the enterprise crew is helping uh, unravel this mystery in real time with these people and, and and to give them more personal investment maybe um maybe sulu isn't back up on the ship yeah right maybe mccoy is now part of that society mm-hmm. and like these guys will rat out on you know kirk and spock if, if they're spotted um, and they have to try and find a way to rescue their crewmen while unraveling this mystery. Well, and that would be great. Like, what if Sulu is turned, so to speak, and he's fully in the society? Like, he doesn't even recognize them. But they have McCoy, and they, like, keep a bag over his head so he can't betray them or something. But, like, you could even have that Kirk moment where he's like, you're not of the body. You're Bones McCoy. Don't you remember the time we partied with those gals on Jupiter's moons don't you remember (laughs) you know like and he he Uh tries to like break him out of it and like Bones has to fight the Landru or something there's like a Popeye spinach thing where like McCoy's just not figuring it out and then Kirk like pulls out a flask like a flask (laughs) of whiskey and just hands it to McCoy McCoy drinks it and all of a sudden his eyes clear and he's like Kirk how how did I get here (laughs) I just like picture him like pouring the brandy in a glass he's like oh it's good and then like McCoy starts like shaking and like licking his lips and stuff he's just like like I could use a drink (laughs) And then at the end of the episode, you can deal with some stuff that Enterprise and TNG would do on more serious episodes where the crew members would have to deal with the consequences of what they just went through. And you could have like the bliss hangover that Sulu and McCoy would have where they've just been ejected from this perfect ecstasy society, you know, and they've they felt they've never felt so happy. It's just like being on heroin or even like and then all of a sudden they're cut off from that. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, like dopamine levels are like depleted. Just like ravers after Burning Man. I want uh, string bow ties to come back. I thought it was funny that no one else was wearing those string bow ties except for the crew. Like, they didn't do their research really well because everyone else was wearing ties. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So I don't know why they decided to wear those string bow ties. It'd be funny if that's, like, what is the thing that tipped everyone off about them. It's like, wait a second. (laughs) This is an awfully funny tie you got there, mister. (laughs) We only wear these string bow ties before the red hour. (laughs) What a faux pas. (laughs) Um, And I just wanted to share one bit of trivia before we... We've talked about Ben Stiller on this show before, (laughs) that he has the Gorn mask. That's right. Remarkably, we have talked about Ben Stiller before on this podcast. And there's a trivia note that says Ben Stiller named his production company Red Hour after this episode. What a so nerd. He has to be, he has to be cool. a big Trekkie, right? Because I was like, why does he have the helmet? Is he a big Trek fan or something like that? Yeah. And Corey, no, I still think he hates Star he Trek just... and he didn't want anyone else to copyright that that piece of media. <laughs> maybe we can get him. He's just snatching up every part. Maybe we can get him on the podcast and he can tell us about it. Yeah, that'd be great. We have questions, Ben Stiller, and you're going to answer them. (laughs) Well, that's our episode for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until we see you again, keep on trekking. Bye.